and welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Our desire at Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to our guest minister for today. So I got that book on Tuesday at staff meeting, and I read it by Wednesday, and I've been mulling it over ever since. And it definitely has an influence in what I'm going to talk about today. And if any of you have thought back, I've also been listening to King and Kingdom. Every time I'm in my truck, I listen to King and Kingdom. And Pastor Steve talks in one of these messages in King and Kingdom about the fact that in reality, there's no such thing as an atheist. Because the Bible says, no man will have an excuse. I mean, it's written in the stars. So I'm not saying that one's right, one's wrong. I'm just saying that there are people out there that even though they really down deep know there's God, they haven't opened their heart to God. And so they say there is no God, they're denying God. Or the agnostic who says, yeah, yeah, there's a God, but he doesn't do anything here. He's just like, he's just up there, I'm down here, toughing it out. So that got me thinking about a lot of things along that line. And, see my notes aren't in order, so bear with me. How many are doing the daily reading? I'm having fun with it. See, I didn't look up when your hands went up, so don't worry about it. The daily reading has been a blessing, and I have read the Bible I don't know how many times myself, but this time, for some reason, I am getting so much more out of it, praise the Lord. But I went to Acts, the daily reading a few week, uh, days or a week ago was Acts 17. Acts 17, and I think the verse is 24 maybe, Tamara? What did I give you? No, I was close, okay. For as I passed, Paul's speaking, for as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. And then if you're familiar with that passage of scripture, Paul goes on to give them the gospel. And he does basically, he de- what Luke is writing about, he defends God. And I meditated mainly on this verse for quite a while. And if I were to ask, I'm not going to, don't raise your hand, but if I were going to ask how many here know God, you all raise your hand. I'm pretty sure, unless you just think, well, I'm not going to raise my hand, but we all know God to some degree. But I want to challenge you to think about it. Could you know him more? Do you want to know him more? Are you willing to put in what effort it takes to know him more. 
For me, the answer is yes. But that also kind of directed me in where I'm going. I wonder how many people are in churches. Now, I know the percentage of people in church as I speak, statewide, countrywide, worldwide, I know that's a pretty small percentage of people, of total possible, and it's going lower all the time. But of those people that are actually in a pew today, there's a lot of them that don't know God. They worship a God who is unknown to them. So, I'm letting you in on how my thought process has run in the last three, four, five days, because it's just been <laughs> kind of like circular reasoning. And that little rabbit trail cost me dearly, because I had something to say. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. So Paul clearly defended his belief in God. He defended God. And as I said, of the people that are in church, a lot of them don't even know God. And it still hasn't come back. I'll stall. So as I was thinking about that, there we go. It came back. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I have spent my life in religion. Grew up in a mainline denominational church. Wasn't taught about a personal relationship. Wasn't taught the gospel. Wasn't taught basically anything. Served religiously, sweat and toil, trying to please God so that maybe someday I would end up in heaven. You've heard my testimony, or a lot of you have heard my testimony. I didn't get really set free and get the revelations of who God is and spirit, soul, and body and the grace message until I was in Guatemala and I was in my 50s. So I spent a whole lot of time like one of the people, just sitting in church. But the other thing that I did was kind of just coasted. And maybe some of you can relate to this. When I look back at the Bible, we've got the Old Testament. And that's one of the things I want to do today. We're going to take like a 30, 40,000 foot view of the Bible from Genesis to just short of Revelations. No, Revelation. That's just religious habit. <laughs> Spit that thing out. Revelation, because I'm not going to get into the end times, except to say that if we're not in it, we're pretty close to it. <laughs> Are you on board with that? Okay. So I looked at the fact that we were in the church age. And it was like, okay, God did all this neat stuff in the Old Testament. And I mean, there was some crazy wild things in the Old Testament. And then Jesus did his thing, and now we've got the church. And it was like all my life, it was just like, you know, God's sitting back chilling, just letting us go. And you know, that is the stinkingest thinking there is. 
That is terrible. Hello. <laughs> you got plenty of time to get here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I want to look at the Old Testament first. And I just want to point out a couple things, because you already agreed with me that if we're not in the end times, we're real close to it. Amen? Amen. Things are nasty out there. Has anybody seen evil as obvious as it is right now? These are thought-provoking questions. Because we're going to go through the Bible and just highlight a few things. This isn't even an in-depth study. This is just kind of a flyby to get you thinking. And I want to start with Noah. Well, let's start with the garden. Okay, we all know the story of the garden. God created man in his image. And then man fell. And the curse came. And it was downhill from there. Not too far into Genesis, we got Noah. Think about the days of Noah. Now, when I say Noah, if you just got a little bit of knowledge, you're thinking, oh yeah, flood. And oh yeah, by the way, there was a rainbow that got hijacked. And God promised to never flood us out again, okay? But think about the civilization in that day. It was so wicked that God, God the creator, repented of even making creation. Let that sink in. He says, I'm sorry I even made this mess. I'm going to wipe them out. As tough as it is right now, I don't think we're there yet. Was God involved in that day? Obviously. He told Noah, build an ark. <laughs> What's an ark? It didn't even rain then. But God gave Noah what he needed to save the remnant. And he was very, 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 very much involved. Amen? Okay. Like I said, we're just going to grab a few here because we could go book by book, chapter by chapter, and be still here tonight when it's time to end. Think about Abraham. Abraham was blessed of God to the point where God even wrote a new covenant with him. And we are still under that Abrahamic covenant. Did Abraham have a great stellar life? No. He had problems. Treated his wife like a prostitute twice. Couldn't get along with his relatives, or his relatives couldn't get along with him. Either way, there was strife. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Was God with him? Amen. Very much so. 
throughout his entire life. We know about Isaac, but he got blessed with Isaac even after he messed up with Hagar and Ishmael came into the picture. But see, God was there with it all, through it all. God was making his plan just what he had planned. He had never, he never missed it anywhere. And when we read things like this in the Old Testament, we think that was a nice Bible story, or I remember that when I was in Sunday school. I'll never forget that story. But take time to meditate on what God has done. Bible says he rested on the sixth day, and some think he just went, yep, there, I did my part. They're on their own. No, 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 no. He has been stay, he has stayed involved in our lives, our past generations' lives, from the beginning. Throw another name out there. Moses, children of Israel in Egypt. They didn't have an easy walk as slaves. Do you imagine building bricks without straw? I mean, they were treated poorly to the fact that God sent a deliverer. But before that even came to place, he sent the plagues. Think about those plagues. I'm not going to take time to go through them, but think about the plagues. Those were nasty. But were they nasty for God's children? No. When darkness overcame Egypt, there was light. There was light. You see, God has been involved in his people every step of the way. And then when the deliverance came, they go trucking through the wilderness and come smack up against the Red Sea. What did they do? Children of Israel started grumbling and complaining and said, at least we could eat back in Egypt. Let's go back. We knew where we were when we were slaves. And then God parted the Red Sea. You see, God had a path already plotted through the sea. They couldn't see it. All they saw was the water. But God knew exactly where they were going to walk through, and he knew it was going to be dry ground. Was he involved with them? What do you think their lives were like through all of that? The plagues, the, the trucking through the wilderness, the Red Sea. I mean, have we reached that point? I don't think so. Now, don't jump ahead of me. Don't think, oh, he's getting ready to tell us. It's going to get worse. You better hunker down. No, 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 no. No. With God, it never gets worse. I, I, can, I can say that without a qualm. I'll even prophesy it. You stay with God, it will not get worse. <laughs> How's that? Take that, devil. Devil trying to run my sister off the road and doing all kinds of stupid stuff. Hallelujah. 
Oh, and then Moses gets him over the other side. <laughs> and he goes up and gets the law. He's gone for 40 days. What did the children of Israel do? In 40 days. <laughs> I don't know where he went. He's not coming back. Let's build us a God. Come on, bring your earrings. <sighs> How many gods do we have? Not looking around. But what in your life takes the place of Father God? What takes up the most of your time? What takes up the most of your thought life? These laws that Moses went up to, to, to get talks about idols. And when we think of an idol, we think of a statue or something carved or something out of stone, right? An idol, one of the dictionary definitions is a false image. A false image. We already talked about knowing God. And some of us know God better than others. Some of us know God quite intimately, and others not so much. But I know for a fact that in my 40 years of religiosity, I had a false image of God. A false image. I didn't know the true God. I didn't know him in the way that he made for us to know him. And that is a false image. So by definition, that's the same as Idol worship. Ooh, I get a few nods, a few murmurs. That's okay. That's okay. Hallelujah. See, we aren't very far into the Bible yet, and God has been involved in every bit of it, correct? And then one of my other, well, there's. <laughs> So many favorite stories. I mean, we could talk about Joseph. We could talk about David and Goliath. Any one of these we could make a complete message out of. You're, you understand that. And that's not my goal today. I'm not going to zero in on one. But I want to paint a picture for you. I want to paint a picture that God has been intimately involved with mankind from the beginning. And no matter what day and age we are in, we're going to see, I think, a little more clearly after today, because I'm going to bring it right up to current events. But the Old Testament is full of history, full of genealogies, full of stories of war, full of victories, full of defeats, full of everything, full of wisdom, full of prophecies, full of prayers, full of anything you need. And then it stops. And it stops with Malachi. And Malachi, I believe, is three ones on the list. I think we'll read that. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he, will pre he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek 
shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. That's right in the first, the beginning of the second half of Malachi. And he basically says, you're looking for God. That's that unknown God. And I'm going to send a messenger. And you know what happened after Malachi, when you look at the Bible in order? For some of you, the difference between yeah, I didn't put my glasses on. But anyway, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is just a page. Now, some of you have some other helps in there. I understand that. But we get this mentality, okay, there's the Old Testament. There's the New Testament. You realize there was 400 years not accounted for between the Old and the New Testament. Maybe you've never stopped to think about this. We all know that when we talk Old Testament, we're talking the original language of Hebrew. We open the New Testament, it's Greek. What happened? We didn't hear about Rome in the Old Testament. We open the New Testament, Rome. Everything's about Rome. That 400 years was packed with transition to get from the Old Testament to the New. 400 years that the Holy Spirit, in his wisdom, did not include in our Bible. Now, I know there are manuscripts. I, uh, the Apocrypha has, like the book of Maccabees, Maccabees are never mentioned in our Bible, but they are in other places, but they were key in that time. And there was a time that we call the silent era. But I'm going to defend God. I'm going to be an apologist right now. God did not back off of mankind at the end of the Old Testament and sit and wait 400 years till he could send his son. It just didn't happen. He has always been involved. There's a lot of things that have happened in the last 6,000 years that are not in this book. But the Holy Spirit, in his wisdom, knows what we need for life, for everything. And that's what we have here. So again, I'm acting as an apologist. I'm defending God. I'm saying this is what we've got. We don't have to go looking for more. We don't have to make up stories. We don't have to speculate a whole bunch of things. If it's not written here, don't worry about it. If it is written here, do it. That's a pretty simple message. Just do it. Before you do it, you may have to say no to some things, but say no. That's some of the best counseling anybody can give you. Well, what do I do about it? Just say no. Just quit it. Just stop. When this is on that, stop it. I love it the way, I can't mimic Steve the way he does it. Stop it. 
Great counsel. So we go to the New Testament. Jesus' birth. We can preach for weeks, months, years, generations on Jesus. Incredible, the plan that God had. Here's another rabbit trail, so help me not get off too far off course. But one of the things that I really appreciate about Beloved Church is that after 17 years in the wilderness of Guatemala, to come here with you bunch of fanatics and the pastor that occupies this pulpit that has such a heart such a heart for our Lord Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. It blesses me. I don't know what it does to you, but it blesses me. It's just what I needed at my point in life when we came back from Guatemala. And that's one of the reasons I stand up here and say, it is such an honor to be here because I don't feel like, and there again, I know we don't go by feelings, yada, yada, yada. I don't feel worthy to be here. It's only by the grace of God, it's only by the Holy Spirit. And I, oh. so Jesus, we have the four gospels testifying of Jesus. John writes that if everything that Jesus did in his ministry was written down, there wouldn't be enough books to contain it. Do you realize that if you put all the, the chronology, I don't have the numbers right at hand, but all the chronology of what Jesus did, it only accounts for like a week or 10 days worth of ministry out of over three years of ministry. We do not have every act that Jesus did, but we have enough to know his heart. We have enough to know his ability. We have enough to know how the kingdom operates. And there again, that's God through the Holy Spirit giving us that. It's a fantastic time. Jesus came in the flesh. God dwelt among men. And the religious leaders of the time didn't even recognize him. That's amazing. God walking amongst them. And all they wanted to do was fight. All they wanted to do was kill him. It's incredible. But see, he had a plan. And God was with mankind. That's why he sent Jesus. Jesus was the first missionary. He had a mission. And when he went to the cross, he said, it is finished. You can say, okay, the law was finished. That's true. Um, everything he came to do was finished. In other words, his mission was finished. He did it all. And that's where I came in as a young man in religion, thinking like, okay, Jesus came, got my ticket to heaven. I even went on the streets before I knew what I was doing and kind of almost got into that turn and burn 
preaching. Now, turn and burn is, or turn or burn is true, but I didn't see Jesus operating in that too much. And if Jesus didn't operate in it, I don't recommend it for any of us. <laughs> There's a better way. Now, can you get passionate about things? Yeah, you can get passionate. Can you get angry about things? Yeah, you can get angry about things. It's not wrong to be angry, you know that? Oh, don't let the sun go down on your anger. That means you gotta be happy about sundown? No, no. You got something to be angry about and it's a righteous anger, you hang on to it. What they're doing to our kids in school, that brings up anger. And it's a righteous anger, and we won't stop until we do something about it. That's why we're starting the ark. Have you all heard about the ark? <laughs> you haven't. Do I get to be the one? We have a building, by the way. The ark will be meeting. Yes. <laughs> Enrollment is open. Not meeting at our first place of choice, not meeting at our second place of choice, not really meeting at our third place of choice, <laughs> but we're meeting where God opened the door. And for this year, we have a lease on a facility, a former school building. We will have access to uh, uh, over half of it or about half of it. A third, a third of it, which is more room than we were looking at before. And it is located in Lanark, which is just a little bit south Pearl City, which is just a little bit south of here. But that's only a temporary one year, we believe. So thank you. I didn't know I got that honor. Whoa. Praise the Lord. Now I'm really off track. <laughs> I got, got my mind on Lanark. <laughs> Praise God. Seriously, help me. Where was I? <laughs> I'm sorry? Righteous anger. Yeah. You got something to be angry about? Don't let the sun go down. Stay angry. There's nothing wrong with righteous anger. See, that's not, that was just a pure rabbit trail. That's why I lost that one. Hallelujah. Let me get on the right page here. So the Gospels speak for themselves. They testify of God in our midst. They give us the image of ourselves. Because when we see Jesus, we see ourselves if we're born again. And when I say born again, see, that spirit, soul, and body keeps popping up. You get born again in your spirit. Your flesh is trained by this world. Your soul is the only thing that can go between either way. Remember my friends? I always travel with my friends. You got your body? Spirit? No. Soul? And your spirit? Old spirit, new spirit. Or as Pastor Steve likes to explain, no spirit. And an alive spirit. Either way, 
It works. I'm not going to argue that point. Before you're born again, this just coming along for the ride. The world's training this. The world's training this. Two against one, who wins? Always. Unless these are really wimpy, but you get born again, you get the Spirit of God, you're 100% perfect, you're ready for heaven, you will not change a thing in your spirit when you get to heaven. You're ready to go. Romans 12, 2 tells us to renew our mind, which is located in our soul. When we renew our mind to conform with the image of God, our mind, our soul agrees with our spirit. This body has no choice but to follow along. If my spirit is with God, my soul, my mind is thinking of God, is being holy, is choosing to be holy, is in the word. I'm saturating my soul with the word. This body is no different than this sport coat. And it has to conform. So that's my Andrew Womack plug. We can preach that for 50 years. I might get back to it today, but I got to keep going on these notes. So the Gospels are an incredible time of history because it was a change of dispensation. Don't want to get into history too much, but you know from the creation to the Mosaic Law was about 200 or 2,500 years. There was no law. Then for 1,500 years, there was the law. After those 4,000 years total, Jesus came. And now we're 2,000 years into the church age. And that's where I got the idea that, okay, Jesus came, he did his thing, and now we're just chilling till we get to go to heaven. And then it's going to get really neat, really fun, really beautiful. And then I found out from the Bible and from my brothers and sisters and from other preachers that that prayer I've been praying religiously all my life that says we can have heaven here, that changes it all. How many times have we prayed that prayer, which is only a model prayer anyway, but just parroted it out, not knowing what it said, not believing what it said, as it is in heaven. We want things here on earth as it is in heaven. If, why would Jesus give us that model if it wasn't possible? Why do we have to wait till we go to heaven? So staying along with the thoughts that I had in the Old Testament, think about the days of Jesus. What was the civilization like in that day? You had the Roman rulers. You had the Jewish religion, Jewish leaders. There was stress, toil. There was all kinds of problems. Through it all. There were people that accepted Jesus. There were people that rejected Jesus. There were people that followed Jesus because they got fed. Or they followed Jesus because they heard he healed. 
They wanted things and stuff. I got a lot of experience on that, and I'm not going down that trail, but 17 years in Guatemala, I understand people wanting things and stuff. I was the nicest guy in the world until I realized that the former missionary where I was had made a welfare state. And I felt that it was my job to change that. You know how you change the welfare state? You start by saying, no, no, no. You know how popular that makes you? <laughs> Out of my 17 years of ministry in Guatemala, I don't know, a good third of it was just climbing back up the hill to where I was respected because of the stands I took. But it was in the Bible, and I didn't care. I wasn't going to play the game. I wasn't going to be just a humanitarian missionary. I was going to teach them the word. It was fun. It was really fun trying to explain the word of God in a foreign language. Wow. God gave me the grace, though. I loved it. So then after the Gospels, we got the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles. And there's some miraculous acts in there. But as I've been reading it through in the daily reading, like I said before, I'm getting so much more out of it. When I was in the mainline church, we were in a couple study. And we did, I don't remember if I could remember the name of the guy. That's how impressive he was. But if I could remember it, probably most of you would recognize that name. And he and his partner did a whole teaching on the book of Acts. And the only thing that I remember basically from the book of Acts, from their teaching, was they basically just traced the map with the missionary journeys. And it was even when I didn't know God like I know him now. Back then, I was thinking, this course is a nothing burger. I mean, it is just, surely, surely there's more in the book of Acts than just, well, they went from here to there, and the boat was late, and the fog came in, and they missed that ship, and they laid over here for three months, and then they preached there, and oh yeah, they did something spiritual. They preached there while they waited for the next boat, and it was like, get me out of this study. But you know, I'm really having fun with it now. I, I can't tell you the number of mornings that I sit and read it, and especially in the book of Acts, and I just mull over what's going on, and I imagine what's going on in, in their lives. And I see God's hand in all of it. And then you realize that the book of Acts is still being written. Amen. They just quit recording. About 100 years after Jesus, they quit recording. But it's still going, see, because we are doing the acts. We are it. We are for this day. And what a day it is. Hallelujah. Actually, acts, a lot of the... Um, 
theologians say is a continuation of Luke's Gospels. And then we come to the epistles. And we all know Paul wrote about a third of them. And that's, that's our how-to manual. And we sometimes, and maybe I'm just talking for me. Now, if I'm, I'm sorry if I'm boring you with this, because if you can't relate, then it's probably boring. But we get to the epistles, and it's like, oh, boy, yeah, all the hard work's done. Jesus came. Like I mentioned, we got our ticket to heaven. We're good to go. And we just kind of chill. And while I was meditating on that, I got this picture in my mind. Now, I don't ice skate. I'm sure some of you ice skate. And if you ice skate, you probably really enjoy it. But I've got this mental image of somebody skating along, you know, and it's always, do you skate on smooth ice or rough ice? Smooth ice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, even in one of the most violent sports known to man, they prepare the ice before they play hockey so it's nice and smooth. So I see the skater with the scarf blown out behind and, and just having a ball skating along. And you know, that's how I viewed my Christianity. God sent his son. I'm forgiven for my sins. If I do enough good to outweigh the bad, someday I'll be in the sweet by and by. Pretty common theology. Am I right? Oh, thank God for places like Beloved and teachers like Andrew and Joe Prince and Kenneth Coe. All of them, they've all got that message that is just, there's so much more. Oh. But we can't just skate. We can't just skate because God's not skating. God is not taking his hand off of us. God is still leading us and guiding us. Are we following? When I think back, I just, I just thought back to, um, to the book of Acts, and I think it's chapter 8. Um, when Philip goes and meets the Ethiopian eunuch. I mean, that's a coincidence of all coincidences. You go south, you meet the Ethiopian eunuch. This is what you're reading. I'm reading this book of Isaiah. And then, what's it talking about? Oh, here, let me tell you. Wow, there's some water. Why can't we get baptized? Okay. Baptizes him, and then Philip disappears. They find him, I forget where. So I forget the name of the town, but he gets translocated. If it happens in the book of Acts, this is the book of Acts. Just saying. Boom. <laughs> I know we got one translocation advocate amongst us. Very vocal. Pastor Craigers. Yep, you just keep an eye on him and one day he may not be here. <laughs> he may be there, wherever there is. <laughs> oh man. 
Everything that is written is available for us and more. Jesus said greater works. Lots been preached about what the greater works are. It doesn't matter. Greater works. Do you want greater works? Yeah. I want greater works. I'm not going to be satisfied till I see greater works. Yeah. And it's available now. One of the reasons I did this real brief aerial view of the Bible is to get you thinking about the day that we're living in. These are not the worst of times. But we are coming close, and it's kind of a dumb statement because every day we're getting closer to everything. I mean, every day we're getting older. Don't claim it. Why well, have people that throw it in my face, Pastor Craig? <laughs> I gotta tell you a story on Pastor Craig. You all know I got a few years experience on you. And I've been having trouble keeping up with my calendar and reading my schedules and knowing when I have to do this and when I have to do that. And, and I confessed to Pastor Craigers today, I said, yeah, I said, I just can't get used to looking at the calendar because I, I never used to have to do that. I mean, I had a social secretary that was fantastic. <laughs> and Craig says, yeah, yeah, when you haven't been single for half a century, I guess. <laughs> Way to bring it home, brother. <laughs> oh, love it. It's true. <laughs> Not sad, but true. So Matthew 16, 3. Let's get a little scripture on this. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today. We're taking this right out of context, but you'll recognize where we're at. For the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? We are in a day and age where it is important to discern the signs of the time. I know that we cannot be distracted by what's going on. I know that we cannot feed 100% on the lies and the news that are out there. But I personally believe we have a responsibility to be aware of what's going on. It's no different this weekend. I had planned to be here four days. I had planned to make it a motorcycle weekend. I checked the weather. And I said, mm, maybe not. Not that I trust the weather forecasters that much. <laughs> but then again, I did have a little oil problem on my bike, so it's good reason not to drive it 400 miles in a weekend until I get it checked out. But I checked out the time I was planning, and I made a decision. And I said, OK, based on that, I'm not going to do that. We're in the same situation in life here, in this civilization, in this moment in history. And it is a moment. 
Think about it, 6,000 years. And we are here for 70 years, 80 years, 100 years, 120. That's nothing. And we get so focused on what's happening here and now, and we let that control us without taking the whole counsel of what's gone on before us. I've already pointed out that what we're going through right now, while it's not really that great, there are people that have suffered worse than we are suffering. And there are people that have suffered worse than we will suffer because it's gonna get worse. Now, it's not a bad confession. I'm looking at the signs of the times. We need to be ready. We don't want to be blindsided. God even tells us, discern the signs of the times. That's our responsibility. And while we're discerning the signs of the times, we need to let other people know. Pastor Steve has shared multiple times about the, the um, words spoken over to him about being John the Baptist or another John the Baptist. And we're of his flock. What's that make us? There's work to be done, brothers and sisters. And God is with us. God has not abandoned us. God has a plan through all that's going on. He has a path through from where we're at to the glory on the other side. Just like he knew the path through the Red Sea. Just as sure as he knew that path, God knows what's going to get us to the other side into glory. Now, I don't know what you're hearing when I say glory. I'm saying the glory of God, and I'm saying right here on this earth. I'm not saying we're going to go up in the suite by and by. I believe we're looking at a new dispensation. I really believe in my heart that the church age is drawing to a close. I want you to think about that. I'm taking my time with this. It's not because I don't know what I want to say. It's because I want these words to kind of get in you to where you just don't, oh yeah, that's what he said. I want you to carry them out with you. I want you to think about them today, tonight, tomorrow, the rest of the week. I want you to think about it. Because this isn't just a political thing we're going through. This isn't just a stolen election. This isn't just a pandemic. Scan pandemic, I said that right. Sorry. Oh, I got that from Pastor Steve, too. <laughs> it is so much deeper. It is so wicked. It is so evil. Can you imagine people arguing over, protesting, fighting for a right to kill a child? I don't care what name you put on it. You don't have a right to do that, anybody.
Brother Bob put something on one of the social media. Thank you, by the way, Brother Bob, for your financial post. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I made the comment, I think, last time, or I know I've made it in small groups, but when I look back at all of the conspiracy theories, I'll put air quotes out there, because most of the conspiracy theories that I've followed over the last couple of years, or a few more than that, have all come true. So they weren't really conspiracy theories. They were just facts. And I've always questioned things. Now, I've never been a big researcher. I've never had a whole bunch of facts in my pocket ready to go. But I do think about a lot of things. And I observe a lot of things. And there have been things in all of my life that just don't line up. Some of the more recent ones, and this is just, I'm just off the top of my head. Peggy and I flew in from Guatemala to LA. And we got to our hotel about midnight, um, turned on the TV, and all it was about was that Las Vegas shooting. And I don't even remember who was involved. At the time, they're making a big deal about it which I'm not minimizing it, don't take my comments wrong, but for a day or two, that's all they could talk about, and then, boop, silence. And I thought, why? Well, I know now that there was a whole lot more to the story, which a lot of people would call a conspiracy theory, which turned out to be true. And I have come to the conclusion with that as just one simple example, but I've seen it so many times repeatedly in my life. I believe my 72 years, I have lived in a situation like a green screen. Now, I'm sure that Brother Jeff could explain to us the technology of a green screen. This Jeff or that Jeff. I don't understand it except that you got this green screen and you got a television and you can make me look like I'm there when I'm here and it's, does that pretty well do it? Yep, I got a nod, I got two nods. Well Woo but that's what I feel like my life has been. This day and age is coming to a culmination of a whole bunch of falsehoods, out and out lies, Manipulation, control, cover-ups, criminal activity, and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse the deeper you dig into it. Now, is it healthy to dig into it? No. So you gotta know when to quit. But I still say you gotta know what's going on. You don't wanna be blindsided. Go back to my simple example of making this weekend for me a motorcycle weekend. Had I not checked the weather forecast, there's some pretty healthy storms came through here. Now it's clearing up now, but I was aware of the signs. And we need to be aware of the signs. And I, I can't even have words to express how deeply I feel that we are coming to the end of the church age. When we see what's happening, 
when we read the times. I also, I know there's one other in this room I've been told believes like I do. And that is, I have felt almost all my life, well, I could say all my life from having cognizant thoughts, I have felt all my life that I would not physically die, that I would see the return of the Lord. Now, you can say what you want to say about that. I don't care. That's what I feel. I've felt it in my inner being for years that I would not die. And I thought my wife and I were going to go together when Jesus came, but you win a few battles. Sadly, in war, you lose a few battles. But it doesn't mean you lost the war. So I'm going forward. I'm going forward knowing that God has a path. And this thing that's coming, whatever it is, I know Pastor Steve and Pastor Bob was shared, we've had a couple special meetings about all of this, the white hats, the black hats, the things and stuff and all of that. And that's all great. And it keeps building. And when you look on like social media, like Telegram is what I mainly use, it's been funny because for a year it's like, oh yeah, here's a date, watch this date, such and such is gonna happen. So you watch that date and pff, nothing burger. Oh, watch it, yeah, this and these numbers mean this and that's code for this and this is gonna, and that's, and it's like, whatever. Yeah. It's God's plan. It's God's plan. Just do what you know to do every moment and you're okay. God's got the path for you. He's going to see you through to the other end. And there's nothing else to worry about. So I want, I want you to be uplifted, knowing that God's got us. We may not be fulfilling everything God's got for us, but we're on our way. We're growing. And it's great. And it's a great time to live in. So what is in the near future? I'll quote Dwayne Sheriff. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I do know it's going to be good. It may get rough, but hey. It's not always a bed of roses. I, you know, I fought in Vietnam. You know, I went to Africa for three weeks. I've slept on the floor and had cockroaches crawl across my chest. Cockroaches don't bother you if they keep walking. No problem. I lived a quarter of my life in Guatemala. And yeah, we had some creature comforts there. It wasn't as, when we say we were in the northern jungle, that's a true fact. But it doesn't mean we slept in hammocks from the trees. So we, we had a good life, but it was a third world life. So when you add up all of those things, a good share of my life has been preparing me to the point where I don't care what happens. Shut the food off, okay, I'll get along. Shut the electricity off, okay, I can put up with that. People lived without electricity. No fuel for the car, okay, so I don't go as far. I mean, we can live without any of these creature comforts that we have become so accustomed to. Do I need to say that we have become, or they have become idols to us? 
I couldn't live without this. I couldn't live without that. Oh, yeah, you could if you really tried. And I don't want to be negative, but I think we're all going to be tested to some degree. Now, we know that God isn't going to give you more than you can handle. So there's always a plus side to it. There's always a good side. So keep looking up because God's got this thing. He really, truly does have it. Oh. So we're at the end of the church age. It's safe to say that judgment is coming. God is a God of judgment. God is fair. Judgment is coming. But I want to remind you all, we've already been judged. It's done. If you're born again, you've been judged. You've been judged righteous. You've been judged part of the family. You have been judged. Your place is signed, sealed, delivered. There is no question. So you don't have to fear. You don't even have to fret. John 14.1 says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Why do you think they wrote that? Between the Holy Spirit and John, they wrote that for you. Let not your heart be troubled. We are in a glorious time. I think I said this before, it bears saying again, I think, because I believe it this strongly. I think if, and I know reincarnation doesn't work, all that, don't, don't even talk to me about that. But if the disciples were given a choice, thinking back, disciples, of your experiences on earth with Jesus, or what, for example, beloved church is going through right now, and all the believers in the United States and the world are going through right now, would you like to be walking with Jesus on the dusty road to Galilee? Or would you like to be in this day and age at the culmination of this era? I really believe 100% would say, I want to go with them. I think this is an exciting time. I don't see anything to worry about. Are there things that are troublesome? Absolutely. Can anybody tell me why within a matter of about three months there were 28, I believe, food processing plants mysteriously catch fire? Anybody got an answer for that? Did OSHA just quit checking them? It just doesn't happen. Judgment's coming. The people that are doing things like this are going to be judged. And to close, I'm pulling in another message that really blessed me from my daily reading. Can I, can I plug the daily reading any more than I have? There are several psalms, but I'm going to take my remaining minutes and we're going to just take our time and go through Psalm something. Psalm 37. Because it really ministered to me. And I think it's worth just reading it. It starts out for the first nine verses with some commands 
for us, for believers. Verse 1, fret not. Hmm, heard that somewhere just recently. Fret not. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Be like Pastor Steve. I'm going to read it right through. <laughs> Have you noticed any workers of iniquity in the world today? I mean, it is getting so blatant. I don't know how much more obvious the enemy can get. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. All the people that have been manipulating our money, selling us a bill of goods, lying to us for personal gain, for corporate gain, for whatever gain. I'm highlighting that because I spent, I've never been poor, let me put it that way. Broke, yes. Poor, no. Poor is a spirit. Poor is a state of mind. Broke is a condition of your bank account or net worth or wallet. I know what it's like to call my wife and say, I'll be home at such and such a time. And she said, don't come home if you don't have a gallon of milk for the kids. And I had to stop and mow somebody's lawn to get five bucks so I could take food home to my kids. I've been there. But God, oh, but God. But I used to be jealous of people that had money. They say, why, why do they have money and I don't? Well, part of it was I had some stinking thinking. Another part was I made a bad business deal and ended up paying dearly. There's a lot of reasons. But I found myself really struggling against people that had money. It's like, why couldn't I have even been born Jewish? I mean, they, they had the money. <laughs> I mean, I'm not making this stuff up. I mean, I, I hope you guys understand how transparent I am when I'm standing here. <laughs> Probably two months, but anyway. Fret not. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass. Take that to heart. This was written by David quite a while ago, and he said they were going to be cut down soon. I don't know exactly how many years it's been since he wrote that. But we know our timeline's different than God's, number one. And number two, it's just logical. If he said soon, we got to be getting close. It's going to happen in our day. I really believe it. Verse three, trust in the Lord. There's another commandment. Trust in the Lord and do good. You tack that second part of that commandment on there. Trust in the Lord and do good. Why? So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. How many have heard that 
between the trucking industry and the agricultural production and the livestock production, and there's going to be a food shortage. Anybody hear that? Mm -hmm. We got the word. You're going to eat. You're going to eat. There's other examples. I didn't discern the signs at a time a little over two years ago, and I went to Walmart one day, and there was no toilet paper. <laughs> you know what? Not a great testimony. I'm not going to write a book about it, but I never ran out of toilet paper. <laughs> God's good. It doesn't have to be food. God's going to take care of his own. Okay, so fret not. Trust in the Lord. Delight thyself. Verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Now that's, oh, everybody quotes that. Yeah, delight yourself in the Lord. You get the desires of your heart. That's great if you're, if you're doing it from the right motive. If you're just saying that to get something, <laughs> how's it working for you? Verse 5. Commit the way, thy way, unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You won't bring it to pass. He will bring it to pass. Aren't these precious promises? Rest in the Lord. You don't have to toil. You don't have to strain. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. We're always thinking about, I always, I'll, I'll keep it with me. I used to think about people, you know, well, why do they have that? I'm better than that. I don't do that. I do this. Why is he being rewarded? Don't. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Now, this isn't righteous anger we're talking about. This is just flat being mean and ugly. Cease from anger. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers, what happens to them? They get cut off. Sounds kind of final to me. The evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Now, when I was reading this, I was thinking, because all of the conspiracy theories and all of the talk that's going on, this great awakening, we're doing away with the Babylonian system. We're coming to the end of the church age. We're changing dispensations. I can't emphasize how incredible this day and age is and what an honor it is to be living in this day and age. And it says right here, we inherit the earth. I believe we're going to see the money system changed. I believe we're going to see debt canceled. I'm going to see, I, I, I believe we're going to see private ownership take back the way it's supposed to be. We're going to see a jubilee of jubilees. And if you've studied the jubilees, that's a good thing. That is a good thing. 
How's that going to work? I don't know. I just don't know. Because I've known nothing but the Babylonian system and a whole bunch of lies all my life. But I got the word that says I'm going to inherit the earth. I'll take the word. I've been lied to enough. Verse 10, for yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Hang on to these things. They're going to be gone. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. All these evil people that are upsetting you, all these political people that are upsetting you, all of these, whew, they're just going to be gone. <laughs> that makes me just really happy. But <laughs> in a good way. I mean, it's not vengeance. It's not mean-spirited. It's judgment. It's God's judgment, and he's telling us it's going to happen. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. They've been talking peace, peace for years. We don't know real peace. The world thinks peace is lack of war. But then that's all they do is try to stir up wars because it's financially profitable. The abundance of peace. Verse 12, the wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. Do you feel like that's happening today? I do. I do. Dr. What's his name? I'm not going to say. The wicked pitteth against us the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him. Hallelujah. Can you just see God on the throne laughing? And all these people that are making such a mess of this system? that are trying to take his people out, trying to shut his church down, his body, his ecclesia. He's laughing at him. Think about that next time you want to get stirred up about what's going on. And just see God on the throne laughing at the enemies. Because God, God's got the last laugh and he's not waiting till the end. He's laughing now. Verse 14, the wicked have drawn out the sword. I like this. The wicked have drawn out the sword and they've bent the bow to cast down the poor and needy. What's the Babylonian system is to the poor and needy. It's terrible. And to slay such as be of upright conversation. That would probably be believers. Righteous people. So they've drawn out the bow, the sword, and they've brought, drawn back the bow. And verse 15, their sword shall enter into their own heart. And their bows shall be broken. And when I read that, I thought, uh, we got various hunters in here. But I thought specifically of Pastor Ryan, but I know there's other hunters, and I'm thinking, yeah, you've been out there, hour, two, three hours in the cold, and you see that deer, and you draw back that bow, and bing, <laughs> that thing malfunctions. <laughs> you are done. That's what the enemy's going to do. That bow's going to not function for him, and he's going to 
use his own sword on himself. Mm, I know I shouldn't be so excited about this, but I am. Verse 16, a little the righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. See, because that little they're talking about is measured in world standards, and we're not of the world. We're just living in this world. We're just putting up with this world. We're citizens of heaven. Hallelujah. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. Precious promise. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. That's a God word. Forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish. Is anybody counting how many times the wicked have been told what's going to happen to them in this short psalm? But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into smoke that, shall, that they consume away. They're just not going to be. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again. And I wrote in my Bible margin, the wicked steal, but the righteous show mercy, mercy and giveth. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. That's King James I'm reading. If we go to the, I'm not going to take time, but if you go to like the Passion, um, it clarifies or makes more clear God is not cursing people. People are choosing the curse. So those that are, have chosen the curse are going to be cut off, and those that have chosen to be blessed are going to inherit the earth. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. That's one that we all like to use. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I've been young, and now I am old, Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor the, his seed begging bread. And that pretty much sums it up. We could read the rest of the psalm, but I want to just highlight one more verse. And that's down in verse 34. Because it just puts the icing on the cake here. This is what we have to do in verse 34. Wait on the Lord. And keep his way. And he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Let that one sink in. We're going to see it. And I know many have gone before and read that same verse and said, well, boy, we're going to see it. But when you discern the times, I believe we're going to see it. I know that might be going out on a limb. I don't care. I'll go out on that limb. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I don't believe I'm wrong. And I believe the Holy Spirit had this in mind, this day in mind when he wrote this psalm. So I'm going to close. I hope I have given you just a brief view of other civilizations other generations that have gone on before us and some of the things that they've encountered and endured 
for mainly the purpose of understanding that, yeah, this isn't the best of times, but it isn't the worst of times. And even if it is getting it worse, which it will, we've got a God that loves us. And we've got a God that has a plan for us and a path for us. And if we follow him, we can't go wrong. And I highlighted that song just to let you know that judgment is coming. The judge has already explained the criteria for judgment. The righteous will inherit the land. The wicked will be no more. And for me, you can, you can criticize me for this thought, but I'll tell you the truth. I'm looking forward to seeing it. <laughs> Whatever attitudes behind that, I'll repent if I have to, but <laughs> I want to see it. Bring it on. I really hope that you are seeing the excitement that I'm feeling. I think it is an honor and a privilege to be alive in this day. And even more so to be in this body of believers with the prophecies that are over this body of believers and what our future holds, however long that future is. We are key players in God's plan. Amen? Okay, stand. I'd like to bless you. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body. And all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.